Hello and welcome. This is the Yoga Revolution podcast. My name is Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him. This podcast is an exploration of how we can live yoga right now and how we can apply the yoga teachings in our lives. We'll discuss the intersection of yoga and social justice, as well as how to build a practice that supports our activism. All my guests are contributors to my new book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have as my guest, Anjali Rao, uh, as the next contributor to Yoga Revolution. Um, Anjali Rao came to the yoga mat at nearly 40, recovering from surgery from breast cancer. Um, Growing up in Bangalore, India, karma and bhakti yoga were a way of life. She studies and teaches yoga philosophy and history from a socio-political perspective and is deeply interested in the intersectionality of race, culture, gender, and the accessibility of yoga practices. She aims to make the practice and study of yoga on and off the mat helpful and joyful to people across ages, genders, and abilities. She's part of the faculty in various 200 and 300 hour teacher trainings in the country and considers herself a lifelong student. She serves on the board for HERS, H-E-R-S, Breast Cancer Foundation, and also on the Accessible Yoga Association board, right? Thanks, Anjali. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited and thrilled that uh, we are talking today, Jivana. Thank you for having me. Yeah, me too. I always love talking to you. Uh, And thanks for contributing to my book. I was just so happy when you agreed to do that. Uh, An honor. (laughs) I was wondering if you'd mind reading this section you wrote. So I've been asking all of our guests to to read that little part there. I think you're on page 47 in the book. Mm -hmm. Do you mind? Okay. Yeah. Yoga and social justice work deeply intersect one another. One may ask, but how is this connected to yoga? Isn't yoga about peace and oneness? How is the revolution for social and racial justice an extension of our practice? I believe that the work of social justice is itself the very essence of our practice. Our practice, our yoga, is deeply embedded in the world around us. It is a mirror, a microcosm of the world outside. Our inner lives are connected to the way we move in the world, our relationships with one another, how we practice integrity, speak truth in our work and community around us. We learn this as students of the Yoga Sutras, the Yamas and the Niyamas. We learn this from the ancient Upanishads. We learn this from the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. Thank you so much. I, I love that because that's what I'm trying to say in this book, right? I'm just trying to share that idea that the inner practice is connected to the outer world. You say uh, it's a mirror, right? Our inner world is a mirror. Is that how you're saying it? Yeah. And yeah. I wonder if you could speak more about that because I, I don't know if everyone agrees with that idea. <laughs> yeah, and it's okay to disagree with that. Uh, uh, you know, disagreement is a part of... Uh, the tradition of yoga itself to have mm. conflict and to resolve it with respect mm. with integrity uh, that's okay um the way i look at it is that 
our practice is in so many ways uh, a way of us understanding our social location, knowing what we offer, what's our dharma, what's our duty, what's our obligation, our role. Uh, first of all, to the people in our lives who are immediately a part of our you know, circle. And then that sort of ripples out into the communities because we are in always in connection uh, with uh, each other. I mean, right now in the, in the last two years, the world itself has sort of throwing out into, into the, into the, into the environment, how deeply interconnected we are. Our lives are deeply interconnected with each other. Our actions and inactions um, impact one another's lives right now so it's in a very tangible way we are being taught and it's the learning of this very critical moment in human in the human experience that we need to learn uh that we are deeply connected so we are not practicing yoga outside of of what is happening um what happens outside impacts what happens on our yoga in our yoga practice in, in a yoga in a yoga classroom we don't leave that outside now that doesn't mean that we have to constantly uh, talk about it or you know refer to it in an asana class or whatever but we we have to know that those thought patterns those samskaras are what we are carrying through our practice and so if we are in a position of power and privilege what are we doing with that power and privilege? If we are uh, a group of uh, people who can make some change in the world around us, then what what are we doing with that capability? Uh, mm-hmm. um, so that's what that's my question. That's my inquiry. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that. I mean, because it seems to me that well, I have a lot of ideas about that. It seems to me that you have to understand your position because then you have then you understand what your um responsibility is in a way it's like if you have a lot of power and privilege then you have more responsibility to make change and to um to act you know and if you're if you have less if you're marginalized then you need to take care of yourself you know that could be the focus of your practice with more exactly resting. yeah Exactly. And doing uh, resting without even people who have power and privilege need rest, because otherwise we are just feeding into this whole productivity wheel, this capitalism, Uh you know, fed wheel that we all have to be productive beings all the time without (laughs) resting. Rest is needed for all of us, for our nervous systems, for our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual selves. Um, But and it's not a but. And if we are if you have power and privilege, I think the yoga practice is a one way of looking into our own selves, Swadhyaya, and polishing the internal mirror to see what is it that I, how is it that I can impact? How am I accountable uh, to all the the ways I'm moving in the world Mm -hmm. and my past actions as well? And not only my past, but my, the group, the community that I'm a part of. So, um, yeah, that's that. Do you mean like? And there are different uh, ways of doing it. Hmm? Sorry, say that again. No, I was just going to say there are different ways of doing it. Some of us will feel more comfortable speaking out. Some of us may may feel comfortable just doing some work, uh, in in a group or in a in a setting which is they have more agency in. Uh, some of us may feel more comfortable with art. There are so many ways of, you know, healing and uh, connecting. 
Mm-hmm. So there is no one way. And that's what yoga talks about, right? I mean, there are so many different paths. There's bhakti mm-hmm. yoga, there's jnana, there's uh, karma yoga. So, um, and that's the beauty of our practice. Yeah. And so would you say, um, we talk about svadhyaya or reflection, that practice of yoga that is so essential. Um, it sh- and you mentioned it shows us our samskaras, but also like practically speaking, it shows us where we are, where we have misunderstandings about the world, for example, internalized racism or internalized homophobia or internalized ableism. Like these are really the way to um, root out those problems within us are through this self-inquiry. Otherwise, we go into the world thinking, oh, I'm going to be of service or I'm going to be I'm going to help people. And actually, we might cause more harm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we need to do away with this whole savior complex that yeah. we are all fed through. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we are trying to save the world. We are first trying to change ourselves and transform ourselves, understand our own assumptions and biases, uh, understand the harm that we can, we can create by not acknowledging our own biases. Um, so those are the first ways of unraveling. I mean, I really look at look at it in terms of our tradition of looking at the whole self in terms of koshas, in terms of the layers, the physical layer, the mental, the emotional, the intellectual, and then the spiritual layer. So, uh, yeah, definitely no savior complexes here. Mm-hmm. We are trying to just learn and liberate our own from our own suffering because the biases impact our own selves also, you know. Right. I mean, if everyone could do that, then it, the problems would be solved, right? If we all could just like le- look at ourselves clearly exactly, um, and work on healing ourselves, then there would be really no issues in the world. Moving, um, with, moving with self-awareness, I, I would hope, I would mm-hmm. think will create a place of understanding where we are angry about something, all the, our shadow selves. I mean, none of us are perfect beings. We're all very human having very human experiences there is there is so much of grief that we are now going to be we are processing throughout this past two years um there is so much of conflict there is so much of divisiveness in the society um so much of binaries that existing everywhere it's either you're right or you're wrong so there are so many ways to start bridging those divides we we cannot really turn away anymore from all the problems that we are having uh in in the world immediately around us and in a global uh, in a global way there is so much of uh, fundamentalism for example religious fundamentalism uh, just interpersonal conflict um, and and so in how how can we as individuals and it sometimes can be overwhelming uh, whenever i talk about activism some people say it's it's a very intimidating uh, concept, you know, and mm-hmm. am I really making a difference? Because the problem seems so huge. So, uh, my, yeah, even I felt that. So it's it's a completely understandable response and a reaction. So I would say to myself, whenever I feel that, or when whenever I share about activism, I always talk about um, knowing what you can do. And going back to the center of why you want to do what you want to do. So, uh, and knowing that whatever little, whatever you think is little, ripples out. If you are a parent, uh, parenting your child in a way which is anti-racist, 
is a huge deal because that's what creates that's what creates um you know the future uh, mm. also so yeah. uh, so in so many ways we can create change and so but but what what we can't afford to do anymore or what we can't afford to be anymore is in denial or ignorance or apathy yeah that's beautiful i love that thank you um i i know that you have also studied the history of I would say that kind of social justice or activism within the yoga yoga. Cause I think, I think sometimes people think that that's not traditional yoga. And I mm -hmm. love that you look back uh, into the history of yoga and say it is actually, I wonder if, if you could talk, talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, this is one of my favorite topics. So I don't think our, <laughs> our time together will be enough for this one, but uh, <laughs> And I think that the reason why I looked into this Jivana is because of all those questions that we were facing in terms of are we like redefining yoga when we're talking about social justice? And those are really good questions. I really I think because it, it will make us hopefully uh, look into our own ancestry, look into our own um, cultural, social lineages to see who are the thought leaders, trailblazers, the mavericks, the people who are disruptors of systems of oppression and uh, see what we can learn from them. Because right now in this moment, we need people who have challenged systems of oppression. And so if you were to look into the, the history of yoga, you we will know that in at different periods of time, there have always been those thought leaders who have stood up to various systems of oppression. It could be, it could look differently because of the social context, like for example, caste, uh, or even, you know, even before caste could be like patriarchy. So there was patriarchy, there was caste, there was, and then of course there was colonialism. So throughout history, there have been these in you know teachers these seers these sages of all genders actually uh standing up for to people in power and mm. uh, in various ways either through a debate for example with with the king mm -hmm. uh, or you know overthrowing uh, caravans during the british oppression so there were there there, there were yogis the ascetics were also warriors uh, of all religions, not only Hinduism, but also Buddhism and Islam in India. I'm talking about India because that's that's where the roots of yoga are. Um, and so we cannot really say that yoga and activism have been completely uh, separate and we are now sort of creating this uh, this artificial connection. I, I, I think if you, look, if you were to look at the history, there is a, there is a deep interconnection and there yeah. is a premise there. The premise of yoga itself, I mean, going back to the Vedas is about, uh, you know, I am Atma Brahma. That means I am Brahman, which means all of us are essentially divine mm -hmm. and thus connected with each other. And so if we are connected with each other, if one part of ourselves is in pain, then what is my responsibility to... Uh, alleviate that suffering yeah i love that thank you i mean that's really the p point of my whole book right there what you just said yeah you say it so beautifully um and you i do love too. that i've read your book so I, you do too <laughs> thank you um yeah i mean i love that you go back and look at that i know those 
I know lots of stories in yoga about um, questioning the king or, yeah, like you said, uh, challenging the colonizing British government. I mean, that's great, great examples. I also think to go back to what you're saying earlier about how like no saviors, I think that's really important because actually, if you look at this social justice activism as an internal practice, then it's mm -hmm. easily aligned with the traditional view of yoga as a personal internal practice. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's the place where I, I tried to address it in my book, but I could see there's some tension in that, you know, traditionally, if you look at, especially in the yoga sutras, Mm -hmm. Less so in the Gita, right? The Gita is more about service, but in the sutras, it's so much about the internal practice. Um, but if you actually see that internal practice as a form of activism itself, you know, I feel like mm -hmm. that's what you're saying. Then it's so s s clearly aligned, right? Then it's so clearly yoga. To practice, you know, yama means that mm -hmm. you are being ethical, right? You're being ethical in right. the world. Right. And, and I think, you know, even with the Gita, the Gita actually talks about fighting a war. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's actually extremely far more activistic than, uh, yeah. in, in that sense, than, uh, than the sutras, because the sutras is far more about internally understanding how you're connected and how you move in the yamas, right. ethical observances. And then the niyamas, which is talking about the inner transformation that needs to happen also, and how it how it is not really like you know it's not a linear process and and like i said we are all humans and we have so much of our own um trauma and grief and anger and uh, our own biases that we have to sort of heal and understand first of all um so we are we are if there is one person we are saving uh in all this it's ourselves as mm. we do this work if there is one thing that we are going to be you know being and doing or focusing on is liberating ourselves from dukkha which is suffering mm -hmm. yeah that's beautiful thank you it's easy to say that you know the gita is an analogy. Well, it's a story about war, and it's easy to say that's an analogy for social justice activism. And I think that's dangerous because I, I think it's dangerous to use spiritual texts um, as mm -hmm. you know to support your like contemporary movement. You know what I mean? Like I feel like that's that's what religions often do, and and right. I, I didn't want to go there. You know what I mean? Although I do think what we find in the Gita is is still this internal practice that um, is expressed in the world through like karma yoga, as you mentioned before, right? Through service. Oh yeah. And, 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 and you know, Gita is, is the, the war is actually an internal war. Yeah. It's not, you, it's an analogy, it's a metaphor for your, the different sides of a human being. Um, so Arjuna is the every like you and me, the human being having this whole existential crisis about his role in the world. And Krishna is the higher self uh, who's saying, go fulfill your dharma. You know, so it is not. Uh, and then the, the, the Kauravas, which is the, the, you know, the quote unquote, the bad guys in the, in the epic uh, are, are your shadow selves. So it's not, uh, nobody's asking you to take up arms and do things you know, things like that. But Bhagavad Gita is a, it's a beautiful metaphor for understanding your shadow selves and overcoming that and understanding your dharma, your duty, your obligation to the world around you. Um, 
Krishna definitely talks about each person's, you know, um, role as a householder, as a grihastha. Mm-hmm. So uh, right now, most of us in this world and on this planet are grihasthas. So yeah. uh, that's what we need to look at, right? Yeah, which is interesting because I feel like most yoga practitioners in the West use um, the sutras and seem to follow more monastic practices, even though they're actually householders. So uh, there's kind of a a lack of logic there that you're, you're a householder, you're living in the world, you have a community, you're engaged, and yet your practice seems to only exist internally on your mat when it has a direct implication um, in the world, right? Through your your the way you treat your family and your the, your neighbors and the people you come in contact with all day, and I just feel like um, it's it's not the same as withdrawing from the world, right? Know, because I also think you know the people who have access to uh, yoga practices in the West are also people typically are, are people of privilege, um, you know. Uh, so that's why we need to have more and more people from all kinds of backgrounds practicing and learning and teaching and sharing this practice so that we have multiple voices, uh, multiple uh, perspectives in the room. Yeah, that's so important. Um, I know that you're um, currently working on questions about um, colonization. Is that right? You're, are you writing about that these days? Yeah, well, I'm researching it and I'm I'm um, studying it uh, more and more about how colonization uh, has happened in the yoga space historically and what does that really mean in the world right now and uh, how can we really, what does decolonization really, really mean? Because we do talk a lot about it uh, without really understanding the complexity of it uh, and uh, what what, in terms of creating change and transformation uh, within ourselves, how would a decolonized yoga practice, uh, yoga education, for example, for ourselves look like? So that's what Mm. I've been uh, keeping myself busy with. (laughs) What would that look like? Can I ask? I mean, is that fair? Like, can you explain a little about how? Yeah. uh, Yes. I mean, it's a long one, but... uh, but I'm, I'm trying to come up with an actual, actual framework based on research from sociology, from uh, colonial discourse scholarship, from um, uh, yoga philosophy, integrating that with yoga philosophy, uh, because I think that we cannot use a word without really understanding what the elements of that movement is. The, de- the word decolonization itself comes from... Uh, from a movement of of indigenous peoples and the harm that has been caused to them and uh, and that is continuously being caused to them so when we are using that term when we are, when we are talking about that movement we need to be very careful about how we are um, uh, you know sort of using that with awareness and sensitivity so i wanted to kind of create a a, a framework um, which which hopefully can help all of us understand this more and which we can apply uh, in our everyday yoga classes mm. and and hopefully that means we will trickle that uh, ripple that out into the into the other ways of 
moving in the world in the things that we buy in you know in understanding how we are in a very capitalistic framework in a very capitalistic paradigm um how would it how would it impact it's 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 an inquiry and it's that's where i am right now and would you say like what would you say are the qualities of a contemporary practice now that are colonized like what it, how does it how is it expressed um in your oh uh, i think i think now what we are looking at is a neo colonial uh framework of everything what we are consuming uh mm-hmm. including yoga and yoga is a product right now mm-hmm. right uh yeah. in terms of in terms of not only the props that we buy the clothes that we buy but also the classes that we go to uh into how we're looking at our physical bodies into who's accessing and who's looking uh, uh looking at, who's who's showing up as an expert who are the authors that are being published uh who are the you know so in in all those ways there are certain um people certain groups that the white the able bodied the male the heterosexual uh those are the common themes that have been uh repeating uh, throughout history and that's a legacy of the colonial paradigm um and to know that you know the, uh, sort of this is the right way of learning things this is the, the ontology the epistemology uh has been completely driven by a very colonial paradigm so what would it be how would it be to sort of look into that and unravel that because as you know i learned i studied in india my education my undergrad my school education was in india and which was which was heavily influenced by the british education system so all the authors we looked at as experts for everything were including our own history which is kind of uh, ironic and sad mm. has been from a very india from a very british perspective so if you were to really look into uh, our own histories we know that we are looking at a very colonial version of the history so there's a there's an african saying you know that says we have to look at not only what the lion says about a hunt but we have to also look at what the person who's been hunted they say about that hunt right right mm-hmm. so i think right now i'm looking into the into our history from a decolon from a non colonized perspective which means we are getting more people from the marginalized uh populations folklore rural uh, areas uh people whose voices have never really been heard uh, when we are talking about liberation and suffering and things like that so uh yeah that's that's what i'm looking into in terms of my next uh progression yeah. well of my yoga yoga education for myself that's amazing and i was thinking about um in in practical ways how that appears in a yoga class you know how because ah. you, you mentioned how that an understanding of decolonization could influence the way we practice i think think that's what you're saying the way we practice and teach and it yeah. seems like um maybe things like um you know competitiveness in asana exactly. class and over, exactly. over yeah like over focus on the body right yeah and are we looking at asana as a performance are we looking at our asana why are we practicing asana what is our end goal of it uh, or is it goal oriented you know um because we have we have con- we've been conditioned to look at everything as a sort of needing an end goal uh and having you know very uh 
definitive uh, internalization of how a body should look like how a, how a healthy body is for example mm. what health is i mean it's all colonized it's all been colonized so yeah. how does that translate into our yoga practice in as our teach as teachers as students um people who are teaching philosophy people are teaching history what are their backgrounds whose voices are being centered mm-hmm. you know also like going back to what we spoke of earlier around this concept of the the where social justice fits into the yoga tradition i feel like part of why it's not currently um taught as part of the yoga tradition is because of the the colonized nature of the yoga practice that yoga is seen as this completely internal practice when it seems to me like what you were saying earlier and what what i understand about yoga history is that yoga has been integrated into society and into social structure and um it's not just a separate thing i, I remember hearing lots of stories um about you know these monks that would travel um and beg for food but that they would be taken care of i mean there was a tradition where spiritual practitioners were seen respected and seen as an important part of life for the non for the for the people who weren't monks you know what i mean like it was um all connected right and it was seen as service from the person who was giving those arms because it is yes. a part of their service too uh and the person who was receiving those arms was uh, by that i mean alms not arms yeah. uh were people who were learned and they would then probably either just by being in a village uh, add to the sanctity of the village just by being because of their yeah. spiritual uh, nature and uh their spiritual whatever uh, practice yeah so yeah there, there was this interconnection there was a give and take uh and that was the whole that was the whole point of uh of service mm-hmm. but not i would think yeah. sorry so it was not like a savior i'm not saving anyone it's just like there is an acknowledgement of the human humanity of the other mm-hmm. person you know mm-hmm. but i was thinking the respect for the monks internal practice and mm-hmm. identifying the importance of that role in society and like you said like that by serving the monk you are in a way you are also um practicing you're also doing your your service your karma yoga like i remember stories of the um the monks actually going to the householders to learn you know what i mean like they 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 go to the householders to learn because in the householder uh path you learn quickly by having a partner and children and all that and you 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 gain a special wisdom that way through through life so it just feels my understanding of the tradition seems like it's all much more integrated in in the way that it was practiced and taught than the way we see it now um mm-hmm. yoga yoga either as exercise or yoga as internal spiritual practice divorced from society which both both of those ideas feel very colonized to me yeah absolutely i uh and that's the that's a learning that you know that i would like to share more and more in my in the yoga teacher trainings like bringing in integrating all these different points of view of what a quote unquote yoga practitioners and i don't really use the word yogi uh, mm-hmm. much because that 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 connotes like a renunciate and we are not so mm-hmm. um 
just sort of sharing that more and more and getting that out into the consciousness of uh, a yoga student i think that's that hopefully will create more awareness hmm. that's wonderful and you're writing about it right <laughs> you're writing about this <laughs> <laughs> i'm researching about that right now you're yes researching. okay does that mean you'll be writing eventually though <laughs> I hope so. Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope so too. Uh, what else can you share with us? Anything else you wanted to share? Uh, what are you doing these days? How can people find you? Oh well, I'm on uh, right now. I have a website. I have a you know I'm more active on Instagram than I've ever been, probably because of the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But it's been a wonderful. Uh, of course, everything is uh, with hopefully with some discretion and brahmacharya uh, uh, with some sort of uh, centering. But I think social media can be a good tool for connection and learning. And uh, so, yeah, you could connect me with that on that. And right now I'm just, like, like I said, I'm researching this, knowing where I have to uh, get more information, how do I share it, pondering that and, speaking up more and more and with humility taking up some space as a BIPOC teacher, as a South Asian uh, in, uh, teacher of Indian origin of a certain age group, because, you know, there's ageism in, in, ageism in yoga spaces. And uh, so, so yeah, I'm just very grateful for the work in, in, in a way which I've never been before. I think this practice and work has helped me so much in the past two years with all the crap that we've been dealing with uh, so I'm grateful and uh, hopeful in some ways and also wanting to share that we are all at a place of uh, of needing of, of encouraging motivating inspiring one another to uh, really show up with uh, wanting to disrupt what has happened because what has happened in terms of capitalism, uh, hasn't worked for many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I'm definitely inspired by you and supported by you. I appreciate it. Um, I really appreciate you contributing to the book. And it, oh, I'm, I'm so excited uh, for, the, for you and the book and that the, I think the book is going to be wonderful and inspiring and thought-provoking. Um, so I'm excited to get this out and read it fully in a hard copy format. <laughs> <laughs> hard copy, yeah. I know. It's hard to read a, a PDF, isn't it? Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for doing this work, Jivana. All right. Take care, Anjali. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening and joining the conversation. Yoga is truly a revolutionary practice. Thanks for being here. If you haven't already, I would love for you to read my book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. It's available wherever books are sold. Also, you can check out my website, jivanaheyman.com. There's some free classes on there and a meditation. And you can find out more about my upcoming trainings and other programs. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye.